Yeah, that soccer show is proud to be a part of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Go check out all the great coverage of soccer in the Carolinas at soccer, the letter N, sweettea.com. This is Yeah, That Soccer Show. Your one-stop shop for all your soccer coverage in Greenville and the upstate. We want this show to be driven by you, so make sure you send us an email at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at YTSS Podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome into episode number 50 of Yeah That Soccer Show. We have a very special episode for you today and a very special guest. We were able to sit down and chat with Stephen Short, Senior Vice President of USL League One. We asked him a lot of very, very hard-hitting questions about the league, about his impressions of how the Triumph have rolled out, and uh, about expansion, the thing we all want to know. We even talked a little pro-rel. We talked a little USL Cup. Uh, he didn't back down from any question we threw at him, which was super nice of him. So I think you're going to enjoy this if you are interested in the league at all, interested in the future of where the league is headed. It's a rather lengthy interview. We got we I think we chatted with him for about 30 minutes uh, so this will be a good one to put in on your way to and from work so that you can get it all in. Uh, but once again, without further delay, we're going to take a quick break here right at the top. So we don't have to interrupt our interview with Senior Vice President of USL League One, Stephen Short. Excited to be joined on the show today by Stephen Short, Senior Vice President for USL League One. Stephen, thanks for jumping in with us. Oh, thanks, Chris, for having me. We're excited for today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your role with the league, um, both obviously League One falls under the bigger umbrella of U USL soccer, um, but what's your specific role day-to-day -day at, at USL? Uh, specifically to League One, it, it's a lot of the vision for the league and the strategic movement of the league, and uh, right now we're spending a lot of time on expansion and making sure that the new teams in the league, these 10 teams launch properly and um, everything's up to par, if you would, with their facilities and operation and make sure they're taking care of their players. So right now we're launching the league. We're entering weekend number two, which is exciting. Um, we've seen everything exciting possibly happen in the, in the back of the net as well as on the field. So we're ready for that. But uh, right now we're just continuing to build. So I want to talk a little bit about Greenville specifically. Obviously, mm -hmm. we're a Greenville-centered podcast. You guys are here for the first uh, home match at Legacy, uh, Legacy Field. What initially drew the league um, to Greenville as you're looking at we're starting to set up markets. We know yep. this league's coming. What is it about Greenville that, that made a lot of sense for the league to come here? You know, when we started, it was a lot of research we've done, we've you know, completed, and it was what's going on in the city, the type of development, um, the population, the demographics of that population, and also the soccer culture and what's in the area. I mean, you see what Clemson draws to a match, and you look at the other, I think it's uh, 11 collegiate programs within 50 miles, and their team, so you know there's a hotbed for the game here. And I played at Carson Newman with some guys from the area, too, so it's okay, we know something's going on here. And, um, so it looks good until we got here. When we got here, we completely fell in love with the city. Um, with everyone from the chamber, the sports the sports group that we work with, and um, and ultimately then to the Irwins and the Reedy River Riot, everyone we've experienced and come in contact with has been absolutely amazing and just said, yes, let's make this happen. 
and uh, here we are today. Geez, a couple years later, and here it is, right? It's right. hard to believe it's kickoff for them in their first home match. But uh, we walked around town this morning, spent some more time in Greenville, just reiterated everything you love about the town. Sure. So you talk about the Reedy River Riot. Obviously, uh, two years ago, that supporters group wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. It was it was a petition. It was something right. something uh, Andrew Phillips started and said, hey, we want to bring – we knew the, the league had announced there's going to be this new USL D3 was what it was called mm-hmm. at that point. It's going to be created, and he, along with some of the American Outlaws and some of the other soccer fans in town, said, hey, we want to do our part to get a team here. What part? What role did that petition play in you guys making a decision to come to Greenville? Well, it added to everything. And actually, that we met with them early on in one of our first visits to town. And we were in town. Um, Josh Keller from the league office and I were presenting to some members of the board of the Chamber of Commerce. Um, and Carlos Phillips, we can't say much enough about um, his help, but... That night was also, I believe, was the Gold Cup final. So we actually reached out to him and said, hey, you know, we, we put down some PR pieces and say, hey, let's get your insight. But we said, can we, can we come out and buy you a beer? Can we come out and sit and talk with you about this and watch the match? And we did, and it was great to see their insight. And so it has to work for them. It has to work for the fans. It's not the league forcing something to happen. There are plenty of cities out there where we'd probably like to see the game but probably aren't ready for it yet. Um, but everyone here was arms wide open and welcoming and kind of were great and giving some direction how it could happen if it should happen so greenville i know initially when the team was announced uh there was a lot you guys had been working towards that for a long time before Mm -hmm. that happened i know there was there was initially some friction over hey we've got this npsl team here Mm -hmm. but i think that's kind of calmed down a little bit people have realized you know hey this can actually work but i know you guys have gone into other cities to chattanooga even to lansing a little bit where Mm -hmm. You've kind of experienced some rub of like, hey, these are cities that are already soccer towns. What is it? What do you, from from the league's perspective, see as like when you're when you're assessing a city, mm-hmm. um, and you look at maybe there's a maybe there's a soccer team in town, or maybe there's already a culture mm-hmm. there. Does that? How do you assess that, and how does that go into your perspective and considerations where to put a club? Well, it's all about building the game, right? And that's opportunities as well for players and communities and fans on top of that. And so, um, you know, we were in Lansing. We knew Jeremy Sampson from years ago in, his, in the Lansing United, and uh, we had that conversation with Jeremy during our visit of, hey, what's your vision here? You know, we, we think this could be a pro town, and we sat down and had coffee several times, and ultimately he came over to League Two and to prepare for the league to go to go professional. And even though it's a different team now, we sit down and have those discussions. So if there's a team in town, um, we have a meeting. Um, at least to say we're here. We're paying respect to what you've done. Um, but where can we go to the next level here? And sure. really that's where the league one steps in, even the championship, um, if someone is so inclined. So for us, it's just about talking about the soccer community as a whole and finding out is there a desire, is there a path, and how can we make that happen if it is there. Sure. So as the league has ramped up, you know, you guys have, like you said, a lot of these teams, this league's been two years in the making, or running Longer, up. yeah. And, and so as the, as the league has ramped up, as these teams have kind of come together over the last year or so, more officially, more visibly, um, and now you've gotten one week of play behind you, mm-hmm. what uh, specifically about Greenville, what has most impressed you about this franchise in particular, the way they've kind of launched from this was the the first team in the league that was created from scratch so mm-hmm. what's something that you can highlight and say the triumph this is something we are really impressed with the way that they have have come together it's not just one thing and honestly we could probably do a whole show on that sure. if you want to in the future um but because here just off the top of my head i mean let's talk about the Irwins and the ownership and the leadership that they brought in and how they've gotten the city on board you can look tonight on espn plus and watch what they've done at 
you know, legacy and to find out that 4,000 seats in that stadium, we just drove past it. It looks phenomenal. And uh, first team in the league with LED boards, uh, which is going to be exciting to see that tonight as well. So uh, whether it's that, whether they embrace the city, the custom triumph that you saw on social media this week that um, Joe rolled out to, just the way the city's getting behind the team. It's, they understand the importance of the fan culture and the, the support of the city, um, which I think all of our teams do. But from here, from the scratch of zero all the way to 100 to where it is today, um, they've really done a great job of just bringing the community on to it. So we're excited to see that. So I want to shift to talk about the league as a whole for a little bit. You you talk about ESPN Plus. That's mm-hmm. a I think that was a big deal. Like that that's a yeah. huge deal. So can you talk a little bit about what that deal means for the league for their exposure uh, to soccer fans across the country and across the globe, and and how that deal maybe even came about? Now you wouldn't have to get into the nitty gritty, but just kind of sure. did you pursue them? Did they pursue you? How did that How did that happen? Well, a lot of it, you know, we as League One benefit from everything the championship's already done 100%. right and you can't discount that at all and um that's been amazing to see the growth of the championship over the last several years and part of that is this a phenomenal infrastructure and i'm not just saying it's phenomenal i mean if you get a chance to see it um in fort lauderdale with vista world link and these broadcast booths and the way we've been able to take a lot of labor away from the teams for this remote production um that's integral to allowing our teams to focus on operating their teams and game day right, right without having to worry about a camera or having to worry about a satellite truck somewhere some things are just overwhelming at times and so with that infrastructure in place we're able to take the feed send it to fort lauderdale it's fully produced and it goes directly to espn so it's a quicker connection for us no longer do we have to hope something gets on espn or a highlight or a top 10 or now it's direct access for the platform having espn plus from day one I think it's hands down something probably hasn't happened to a professional league in this country to have that type of exposure now that's domestic. So now, look at our players. We're about 30 to 33% of international players. Now, anywhere outside the United States, you can watch us on YouTube, and which we're already seeing that, uh, which is phenomenal. So to have everyone around the, the globe or even the country that have access to our matches, it's big for our teams. It's great for them commercially. Um, it's also to expand their brands. And one of my favorite stories that we're seeing so far is that we followed a gentleman on Twitter who is flying from Leeds to a match in Madison this year. Okay. Uh, you know, like it's great. You know, I'm excited yeah. to see they're making our teams are making fans across the pond and around the world, and uh, can't wait to see those scarves showing up in other places too. Yeah, uh, and if any fans from Leeds want to come to Greenville, <laughs> come on, it's amazing. Bring me some Leeds United gear. I'm a big Leeds United fan. That's super exciting. So <laughs> that's amazing. Um, one thing I've noticed about USL League One that is certainly different than Major League Soccer, but even I think maybe a little bit different than the, than the Championship level is this. Fan engagement. Um, fans, I think, feel, in a way, we get to feel more a part of the club. We get to feel connected to the players. We get con- feel connected to the league, in a sense. I mean, you guys have I made so. yourself very accessible to some rinky-dink podcast that we're recording in a in a brewery in downtown Greenville. Well, you know where to find us, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but how, like, what is that? Is that intentional? And, and why... Why take that approach as, as opposed to saying, you know what, we're we're from the league office. We're really just trying to make sure everything goes smoothly. You don't have to be engaging with the fans and, and creating teams that are going to be engaging with the community in this way. Is how did, how is that a part of your strategy? Well, it's something we started early on. We wanted to take a different approach, and part of it was launching a brand new professional league in the U.S. You know, really hasn't been done in a while, right? Sure. I mean. Um, I feel like USL has been around in some form or another since the late 80s, in its current form um, since the early 2000s. And so 
you know, MLS in the late 90s. Um, other leagues have come and gone. So what we wanted to do was we knew that we had to engage the fans. And the easiest way to do that was to say, let's be completely open. Sure. You know, there was only one city no one knew that we visited, and that was Madison. And because we wanted to keep that under wraps. But everywhere else it was where we're going to be, who we're talking with, right. uh, what beer we were drinking. I mean, it was great for us. And, you know, we spent countless nights on the road. And that was kind of the fun part about it, too. Because we got to find out what made each city tick and what was important. Because what's important in Greenville may not be something that's equally important in Lansing or Richmond or somewhere else. So you can really kind of get that local feel and understand what makes each city so special. And for us as a league to be able to show that to the people following us, hopefully they were following us, or finding it a year later and then looking back on our stuff um, to find out this journey that we've been on, I think that makes it extra special because it's not us forcing something. Yeah. It is saying, what do you want? Do you want it? Great. Let's see how we can make this happen. So just in that vein mm-hmm. of openness and, and transparency, what's the next big thing for the league? Like, What's the next big thing on your radar? I know oh, man. obviously right now you're, you're, you've been focused on – Launching the league. And yep. we're, now we, yep. we're into we're into week one. We're we're at the front end of week, week two. two. Yep. Um, so what's the next big thing aside from the season continuing to ramp up? Obviously, you know someone's going to ask about pro rail, so we're continuing <laughs> to look at pro rail. Let's go ahead and jump into that. Um, you know, we've seen tossed around all these really neat ideas, and Jake Edwards, our president's with me on this trip, which is phenomenal. So he can see his first league one match in person. Um, well, he picked a good one. I, I think so, right? I mean. <laughs> Uh, but when you really look at what we're doing, is I wouldn't necessarily say it's one big thing. It's right. it's a bunch of things that are just moving at different paces. So I've already spent a week on the road and travel this year looking at new markets, meeting with uh, interested individuals and venues, and that won't stop, uh, which is great because we get to get out and see new places that we haven't been before mm-hmm. or that have never had pro soccer. And, I mean, never. Um, maybe not even have another pro sport. So how can we impact those communities and sure. add to those? Um we're going to see more players being signed. It's inevitable. More great stories, like a hat trick in week one um, by a younger player, which right. is phenomenal. I just got called up to the U-17 national team. So hopefully we'll see a lot more stories. We'll see a lot more highlights. We'll see a lot more um, movement for that players. Maybe championship players pulling some guys up or signing them from our teams and really seeing the impact we can have there. Um, but really, it's just right now, it's full bore. Yeah. Uh, so if say it's one special thing, it's more like, Struggling fifteen to twenty, right. all that are moving at different paces. So you talk, you you mentioned pro rail. Obviously, that's something that mm-hmm. that people are always curious about. And I think maybe even the first step in that is is something that the league has kind of talked a little bit about. This league cup, yeah, this idea yeah. of of league one and 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 championship teams and maybe even league two teams finding a way to to come together and have some kind of tournament. Is that something that is that is still on the forefront? Something you're you're looking towards? Still is. And, and actually, I was with a. It's interesting because even we're getting suggestions now. So when I was in Statesboro with Tormenta at the league opener, the, the players are asking, how about the winner of League One play the winner of the championship? Yeah. All right. Good suggestion. We'll take it into account, see what we can make work. And um, the Interleague Cup's going to be phenomenal. You know, we're already going to see some of those rivalries in the Open Cup this year. Sure. Um, since League One comes in in the early round um, and then two rounds later, uh, the championship. So. We're going to see some of those rivalries. You know, the preseason exhibitions, I know you're feeling everybody out. Sure. Um, but when the lines change and the results are different, and you're now in midseason form, um, I think that's going to be the exciting part. So we're a couple weeks in, but you kind of start to wonder who has the longevity in the roster, who has, uh, you know, the largest attendance across the league, who's making waves. And so 
um, we're waiting for those stories and looking forward to them. So before I transition to talking a lot about expansion, because that's where a lot of people want to dig in and, yeah. and have a lot of questions, uh, this is kind of a fun question. So I think people are, are genu- genuinely across the board pretty impressed with Madison's social media prowess, mm-hmm. Richmond's attendance, Lansing's attack. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. North, North Texas's focus on youth. If, if you could take kind of the best qualities of the 10 teams in the league, what, what things would you say are, if I'm putting together my ideal <coughs> franchise, mm-hmm. I want I want mm-hmm. this of here and this of here and this of here. What are, give me. Like give your own little Frankenstein? Yeah, give me three or four <coughs> things that you think would be, would be kind of the things that you would hope in, a, in an ideal franchise as you look towards expansion. These are the things I'm going to point to and highlight. Hey, you should really check out what, what Forward's doing on social media or what Greenville's doing in the community. What are, what are some of those things? You know, I think when we look at it, Richmond has a long history of success. You know, so their attendance and what they're able to do in the community is phenomenal. Um, and on the field, I mean, even they were one of the first MLS affiliations. And um, remember that unbeaten year, you know, in the regular season, unfortunately fouled out in the early season. Um, that's a tough one, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm not buying time here, but um, certainly the Lansing attack is powerful. Sure. I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, there's three goals on the road at Richmond. who's a veteran team. It's huge. Um, the chemistry between the players in Statesboro is something special. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because it was the first one I got to see, and sure. I'll get to experience the rest of the teams later. But those guys, have, a lot of those, have played together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wonder if that's an X factor that comes into the season. Um, the game day production, I believe, here in Greenville is going to be phenomenal. They have a lot of experience in pro sports, and um, certainly the attendance here and uh, the ownership across the league. I think is pretty strong. So all of them are great. Um, as I look through it, I'm kind of curious of the, some of the players that have the veteran experience. There's uh, one I think is going to become important this season. You know, we want to be a league of opportunity for people to grow. But when you look at Chattanooga's roster as a whole, mm-hmm. there's a lot of championship experience oh, yeah. there. And I believe that at some point down the line, that will come into play. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the calmness after you get scored on, that type of thing, and the resiliency. But the depth and how to take care of your body in a 20-game season, that's very important. Uh, so as we continue to push forward, um, no pun intended for Madison um, and their branding. Yeah, they took risks, straight up, no admit it, yeah. and they, they nailed it. Yeah, right. Um, so that's been phenomenal. But it has to move. It has to keep growing, and all of our teams have to engage. And so um, everyone has a different challenge. Everyone has different successes. Um, but yeah, if we want to Frankenstein it, we might have to have our social team put a graphic sure. together. But um, I think collectively, it just we're so impressed with our teams and. Um, that's why we're able to put a good product on the field week in, week out. So you talk about Tormenta having that experience of having played together. Obviously, they were mm-hmm. a team that was was playing in, in what was the PDL, now League yep. 2, and, and moved up. Um, you have some teams that have moved down from the championship level. Mm-hmm. So as you look towards expansion um, 2020 and beyond, what's the balance there of – because that's one thing I love about this league is there's – it's all, you could almost split it in three of teams that moved up, teams mm-hmm. that moved down, teams that came out of nowhere. Yeah, um, is I love that, all of them. Is that kind of your vision going forward? Like, let's try to get a balance there. Let's try to have a little bit of a little bit of everything. Opportunity for some of these League mm-hmm. Two teams that maybe see like we want to we want to bring the pro game into our city. Some of the some of the championship teams that maybe feel like either we can't compete at this level because we're not focused on we're focused on player development. Maybe mm-hmm. like a like a Toronto. Two or an Orlando City B, where they're more focused it was a on great youth match development. Last night, yeah. yeah, but is that a 
is it is it kind of let's pull from all these different directions continually? Yeah, why wouldn't we? Uh, you know, I mean, if, if, if for a collective focus and saying that you know we're going to make this league the best third division in the world, sure. that's our goal. It doesn't happen overnight. How can we continue to move around and you know pull different triggers and um, move some things around to make sure it works? And part of that's regionality, building the league strategically to make sure that we can reduce travel. And I know some people say travel is not important, but if you ask our owners. Travel is very important. I ask the people out in you know, Tucson. Exactly right. <laughs> but we also want to make sure that you know it's, we can have matches that are close enough that the supporters group like here in Greenville, at Reedy right. River Riot, can get on the road after work and go watch a match and still make it home to go to work the next day or spend a weekend on the road. So right. we have to build that out, and that's going to come in time, uh, which is exciting for us. But as we continue to look at new markets, there will be some that maybe never even thought about pro soccer or the city is about to go undergo a development and they see that a pro soccer team can add the quality of life or retain talent in town to keep them from moving away. Sure. There's a lot of that going on in this country right now. So it's fun and exciting for us to be on the road and see that. Right. Um, It makes you wonder just like, okay, whose blueprint are they following or are they making their own? Right. So you talk about kind of that regionality, being able to travel to away Mm -hmm. matches. Obviously, I think Greenville right now, we're blessed to kind of be centrally enough that Mm-hmm. You know, Chattanooga's really close. Tormenta's really close. Uh, Richmond's not that far away. Orlando, maybe a little bit further. But it's still, a weekend trip. Yeah, yeah but still yeah. not, like, un, unmanageable. Obviously, I don't know that how, too many people are going to Toronto for a match. <laughs> but as you as you have looked at some cities already and as you continue to travel around, is there anything right now, any cities that stand out to you now, maybe focus more on, because it's a Greenville audience, um, I don't know. The Carolinas is kind of a good basis of yeah. of. There's a lot of soccer history here. There's a lot of good soccer teams at every level mm-hmm. in the Carolinas, except Major League Soccer. Um, is is there any cities in in this vicinity that have stood out to you as hey, these are potential things that we want to see. Mm-hmm. This would be a great expansion market. And we've already visited those cities, right? And been pretty public about it. So in South Carolina alone, um, we we spend time in Columbia. You know, you have a massive city. Um, that doesn't have pro soccer, but outside the summer, really all you have is baseball. Right. I believe they have a hockey team as well and some other sports. But when you start to look at it, like there's a great collegiate program, or several great collegiate programs right. there. We've had League Two there before. Um, can it be an opportunity for pro soccer? We believe it can. And so it's just about finding the right people, the right place to play. Sure. There's a lot of development going on downtown. So it's good for us to see that, yeah. uh, to find out, because within we can reach out to some individuals, get some additional insights, get their insight. Um, and that's very important for us. And uh, specifically in North Carolina, I mean, we've been east to west in that state. Sure. Uh, man, I think I spent most of last year there. Um, Greensboro is very attractive. High Point's very attractive. Um, Winston-Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's probably going to ask if we're going to say Asheville. Um, I love Asheville. Being a kid from East Tennessee, Sure. I've spent a lot of time in Asheville, and Asheville's a great town. The team there's doing a great job. Um, a lot of breweries there. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, so you take a look at that. But um, it's about getting the right city at the right time. Yeah. And so when we look regionally, you know, we started our trips in Lexington, Kentucky, believe it or not, uh, two years ago. Actually, mm-hmm. I think it was April or May that was our first trip. And huge response in Lexington. Right. Um, so being in proximity of Louisville and Cincinnati, I think they're seeing that buzz. So there's certainly a lot of areas in the region that we want to continue to grow, um, even into southern Virginia. Um, outside of Richmond, you know, to get away to have somebody the kickers can travel with. So, yeah, we're, we're certainly spending a lot of time, but we need to grow the West Coast too. A hundred percent. Right, and two, yep. I had a call with Tucson today about that. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like, here's what we're focusing on. We've got some things out there that are moving. 
And um, we look forward to making announcements of this train that's going to come by here real soon. <laughs> um, but it's going to be an exciting time for the year over the next two years, uh, the three years, to see what we're going to be able to bring this lead to and uh, continue to increase our footprint. And you know, now we start seeing maybe we can see competition between the supporters groups. Sure. You know, at certain matches, or maybe we set up small sided tournaments between them or something like that before matches. Who knows? But um, it's a expansion is a, a big part of this league and. Just because we have 10 teams now doesn't mean we're done. So I have a, a specific city to ask you about. I've been told uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, obviously, mm-hmm. home, former home of the Hammerheads. Yep. There's a lot of folks in Wilmington love would love to have pro soccer back. Is that a city you have visited? Is it one you're interested in visiting? I haven't visited, um, although we've had league reps there before, um, and we know a lot of individuals there. We've had, had discussions again about Wilmington, uh, and those continue. Um, to say it's going to happen for 2020, you can't guarantee it. I would say probably not for 2020, realistically. Um, but that doesn't mean the future can't happen. And so we're, we pay a lot of attention to Wilmington. We've always loved Wilmington. Obviously, love the history of the Hammerheads in Wilmington. But how can we serve those fans is what the league is about. So um, I haven't been there, but it doesn't mean it's not on our list coming up soon. All right, there you go, Ryan Allen. That's for you. Um, <laughs> Ryan, you can tweet me all the questions you have. We're happy to talk to you about it. So, you talk about 2020. Yep. Do you guys have a goal of, we want to add, obviously you've already got Penn FC and the Rhinos mm-hmm. tentatively announced for potentially coming in in 2020. Um, do you have another a, a goal of, we'd, we'd like to add this many teams by next year? Uh, I think not so much about the numbers as it is the right locations, the sure. right teams. And think about it, you don't want to rush it. You want to make sure the growth is proper. Um, in that it also supports the teams that are already within the league, right? You don't want to get into a situation where you have um, one team that's so, so far removed that, you know, like, uh, in the middle, it's just so remote that no one can get there. I right. mean, that's just, that would be difficult to handle. And Sioux Falls FC, we don't need <laughs> We can get there. That's not a problem. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a matter of how can we methodically build the league. Sure. You know, there's going to be some things that pop up. It's inevitable that we're just like, all right, now's go time. Right. Let's make this happen. And some that aren't, you're like, maybe we need to wait a year. You're not ready, or let's use a little bit more time to develop. Um, because we want them to launch with success. We want them to fill their stadiums day one. We don't want somebody to get into it and be behind the eight ball for any reason. And then maybe the club's in danger. You know, that's really something we try to avoid. So we work a lot with the ownership. We work a lot with each city and say, okay, well, here's the plan. If we roll this out, can they be ready? And, you know, what's the time frame that they need? Uh, so we're very cognizant of that. So... Talk a little bit about affiliations. I know you know some teams have, like Ford Madison's got the the tie with uh, Minnesota United. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, FC Tucson with Phoenix Rising. So you've got some championship to League One mm-hmm. affiliations. You've got some MLS to League One affiliations. Some are more direct than others. Obviously, a Toronto FC two, Orlando City B, and then you have teams like Greenville, completely independent mm-hmm. um, and, and don't have affiliations. Not that they couldn't get one down the road. Is that something that the league? Encourages, discourages. You're kind of fine either way. Is it? Some, do you feel like it's helpful or hurtful? Depends on the relationship. Sure. Um, depending on what clubs are doing what, what they're trying to do. I think it's a club by club situation. So, one club may have proximity to another club, and it may make more sense for player movement. One may have common ownership, like we see a lot, and mm-hmm. that happens. Um, it really just depends on the situation. And, and if someone wants an affiliation, and we can find a way to make that happen, we will. Because if that's what the club feels is to their best interest. Let's move forward with them. Try to find it between the leagues, whether it's a championship or MLS or whatever else is out there. Um, we'll start seeing those in Europe probably in the near future. 
Um, or, then, even, or even League Two, for that matter. I mean, going down. Yeah, the, the only thing there is you get some pro player movement right. into an amateur league, sure. you know, or pre-professional so, league. So it's kind of a challenge, but um, we'll certainly see some connections, right? Where it's a, maybe it's a marketing piece, or uh, the players have the opportunity to train at some degree. But there are teams that just doesn't flow for them. Sure. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, no one's saying that when you come into league, you have to have an affiliation. It's not another sport where your players are owned by primarily by another club or an entity. So it's just a matter about each team and how they can make that work. So for us, it's like we'll listen to our owners and we're not forcing anything on them. So if someone they say, hey, we, we're in, we've talked to that club, we have some interest. Okay, well, the leagues have to work together to sign off on things. So just to make sure everybody's protected, right? Um, but hey, if that's what someone wants to do, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I, I'm done with all my serious questions, but I let's get I, to the fun ones. Yeah. I can't let you out because you and I talked about it before the pod came on. Yep. You're an East Tennessee boy. Yep. I'm an East Tennessee boy. Uh, Little, I have Kentucky roots too. But sure, did most of my. I went to Carson Newman. You yep. had a tie to Carson Newman. You you also graduated from UT. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Vols fan, so I have to ask you: Are we gonna Are we gonna bring this football team back? Is that gonna be a thing? <laughs> Well, as a former athletic department employee at Tennessee, um, I love what Coach Fulmer's doing there now um, with the athletic department. I think he's – one thing that was important for me that he put out uh, when he first took over the role was creating that culture again. Sure. Um, and the expectation, I think, as Tennessee fans, we expect to win. Right? Any team. You as a fan, that's what I love about it. I can still be a fan even though I'm tied a little bit too close to it. You expect to win. Uh, but at the same time, we have to keep in mind these are – 18 to 22 year olds that are sure. on the field these aren't pro athletes and but that's what I love about being in the Southeastern Conference and just the region I grew up in is that it is so passionate um, it is just something where you're just you know what if not today tomorrow right. um, whether it's baseball soccer football you know you name it softball you want a W at the end of the day no matter what the game is and so um, we have a good history there I think they'll turn it around yeah um, coach looks good yeah uh, people ask me my opinion of him. Like, does he win? Yeah, and I don't know him personally, um, so um, we're excited. And still have some people that, that I've known that when I was a GA there in 2003, that are still there. So I like to stay in touch with them as much as I can. Yeah. So all of like three people really cared about that conversation, but it's my <laughs> podcast, so I'm going to answer. We could it. do a separate one just on right. Tennessee <laughs> athletics if you want to. I mean, that's a that is a part of my life and that will be is very valuable to me. And um, there's Tennessee stuff in my office. It might even at the office of my house. Yeah. Um, I'm just my wife's say, a Gator, so we you know. Oh, my gosh. I, I did no. go to Florida for a little bit, too, so I did my NBA there. So well, I love I've, Florida, too. I said on the preview show, Lancey's going to be wearing the Tennessee jerseys tonight, and if, yeah. they, if they beat Greenville in Greenville in the Tennessee jerseys, I might be out. That might be it for me. You know, when we first saw the kit from Lansing, I loved it. And I think Jeremy Sampson, he knew it. Yeah. Like, what shade of orange is that, Jeremy? <laughs> like, it's Tennessee orange. Just thanks, man. appreciate it. And I... I have nothing to do with it. It's, yeah, right. it's just a great color. It look, it'll look great on the field. Yeah. Um, I love the kits in our league. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are some that are very traditional. There are some that are very progressive, and that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we have this broad spectrum of what do you want? Do you want a standard kit, right, right? which is very traditional and very uh, pays homage to the game to some degree, or do you something with something that's completely outside the box and completely local? We're seeing more localized brands yeah. pop up, too, so that's exciting to see. And I love that. I love that. Uh, I love that. There's unlike MLS. There, this, there's not a single. You got to use this yeah. jersey manufacturer. So you have teams using like Lansing using a local company 
to, to do their kits, um, you know, and then that gives flexibility to like Greenville to just, you know, hey, we're just going to go big. Let's get the big guy. Let's get the check. Yeah. Um, but having that creativity, yeah, it's amazing. I think the branding across the board has been really phenomenal. Well, you asked earlier, you know, what do we like about each city and what makes it work? And I think that's another exciting element to it is like Lansing can go with Moneyball, a local brand they use. Um, for other events and other teams, and it's a Lansing, right? So as much as we talk about the name on the front of the kit right. and in the badge, it transcends that even into the community more. So sure. I love seeing that. And you know, five six years ago, I probably would have been like uh, the big big brands, but when you see the flexibility and what our teams are able to do on the creative side, just you know, it works for each team in the way they need it to work. Absolutely, Stephen. Thanks for giving us your time. I mean, half an hour—that's uh, amazing. Oh, I love uh, it. We're but, gonna go over to the tailgate with the Reedy River Riot here. In a little same, bit, so. same, same. So, where can folks uh, follow you, follow the league, and stay up to date with everything you guys are doing? Uh, if they want to follow the league, it's USLLeague1.com. Same thing on Instagram and Twitter, um, which we try to do a lot, of, especially on to show the highlights, but to show our travels and what we're doing um, they're still all teaching me Instagram which I'm getting better but I'm still not great at um, and then USL Steven um, my Twitter and Instagram as well so I like to post pictures from our stadiums and sure. just show that you know experience and sometimes I'm on, I'm on the road Yeah. like here's where we ate today you know where else can we go we'll take suggestions and we'll let them know where we're going because we want to experience the towns on their authenticity as well so yeah we love it follow us send us feedback and you're positive Steven, feedback. You're Stephen with a V, not a PH. With a V, not a PH. You, yep. you can blame my parents for that one. <laughs> but it's, uh, it makes it easy for us, and uh, we really appreciate everyone supporting the league and look forward to a, a game tonight that, from everything I'm seeing, is going to be a, a packed house. Yep. So we're excited for that. Great. Well, thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you. Once again, we want to thank Stephen Short for coming on the show and not backing down from any questions we threw at him. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to have a couple more episodes coming out this week. We're going to do a game recap from the weekend, the first ever victory home opener. We're going to do a game preview pod later this week uh, where we will probably talk about the Triumph's first ever opponent in U.S. Open Cup, which we will know on Wednesday. And we might have another little special podcast thrown in there throughout the week. So I hope you're ready. Be tuned in. And make sure you check out GVLsoccer.com where we'll, we will have – uh, all the latest news and coverage for the Greenville soccer uh, ecosphere. So make sure you tune in. Thanks for tuning in this week, and we will catch you next episode. Here at Yeah That Soccer Show, we're always excited to tell you about our sponsors so that you can support them because they support us and we're able to bring you the shows thanks to all of their generosity. And that includes Brad Butchkowski of the Wonder Check Realty Group. You can find him on social media at Brad Butchkowski, B-U-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I, or I am Brad B on Twitter. Or you can check out his website, brad.selling-greenville.com. That's Brad Butchkowski with the Wonder Check Realty Group.